Hello everyone, this is Kerwin here and this is Kushro. <laughs> and uh welcome to uh the our second episode of um uh what are we calling it? The tra oh travel this week with Kushro and Kerwin. <laughs> um it's been a crazy week. Um lots of stuff going on in the aviation industry. Um, as we figure out how to rebound, um, during coronavirus, we still don't have a vaccine or anything yet. So, um, lots of places are still on lockdown and because on lockdown, nobody's going anywhere. And so this is affecting, um, the airlines and the industry as we know it. So, um, today we're first going to talk about, uh, BA terminating the agreement with Embraer. So Kusha, what was that agreement that they had with them? It was a joint marketing agreement between Boeing and Embraer. Okay. I think Boeing, I personally think Boeing majorly screwed up with this because this all started when they tried to uh, block the Bombardier CS series aircraft oh, okay. from being uh, a competitor to the, seven, to the 737 like 7, for yeah. instance. Um, and they moved heaven and earth, or so it seemed, to try and impose huge tariffs on this aircraft. And I think they were thrown for a loop when Airbus picked it up for, I think, either a dollar or a euro. <laughs> um, and so they felt backed into a corner enough to be forced into this agreement to tie up with Embraer. And I think they were going to take over... 90% of their commercial aircraft business, which is yeah. the 190, essentially, E2 now, and also jointly market that KC390, that uh, I think it's called the Millennium, which is oh, the okay. um, military cargo aircraft. Ah, okay. And uh, I think everything was going according to plan until this whole virus debacle. And Boeing found they had uh, no money, essentially, yeah. to invest. I think it was a couple of billion, two or three billion dollars they had to invest. And I'm not really clear about the exact details, but um, they backed out of it at the last minute. And, of course, they blamed Embraer for not fulfilling certain requirements. And of course, Embraer is saying it fulfilled everything and is blaming Boeing. So it's turning into a nasty spat after what should have been an amicable agreement. Um, even though the Brazilian president was agreeable to this, um, I guess Boeing couldn't handle the outlay, maybe, of all that money at this time. And they're itself going through such a tumultuous period in their company history. But I really think Boeing brought this on themselves with the Bombardier debacle. Poor, poor planning and execution. Yes, yeah, because but, I, thought, I thought this would actually be a good thing um, for Boeing. And I think, I'm sorry, there's uh, music in the background and I don't even know where it's coming from. Can you hear it on your end? No. Okay, good. It's probably going to come through on my end, but that's okay. <laughs> That's and another thing I've been, been reading about, uh -huh. I've been reading about the 190. Yeah. Uh, that it's been having a lot of um, maintenance issues and operational issues, really? which is why um, 
JetBlue, I think they were one of the first carriers to order and operate it. They're already thinking of retiring it in favor of the, the now Airbus 220, which is the old Bombardier, the CS series. And wow. I know Embraer has brought out this new E2, which is essentially the, um, the 190 that's been improved with the new wing and engines and all that. They had it at Paris Air Show. Customers are getting skittish about uh, operating it, giving all the problems they seem to have had with the original iteration, the 190 and the 175. Though I don't think United or American seem to be having those issues because they keep ordering more. Yeah, I didn't so think... So maybe it's only the 190. I don't know for a fact. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I know like um, Lot has 190s. And I, I haven't seen any report that they're having any issues with them. I have to flew one from, um, Vilnius to London City. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't realize they were having any issues with them. Ah, interesting. Well, you know, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, um, I, I saw something that Boeing got, uh, some money. So they didn't need like federal aid from the, from the U.S. government. Yeah. I think they raised some. 25 billion, something yeah, like that. From bonds. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe they could, maybe that included something to still do the Embraer purchase. God knows. <laughs> There's so much bad blood now between the two companies. Uh, I know, right? Oh. Jesus of mercy. Our, in, our industry just never, just never seems to amaze, amaze us, right? Yeah, um, because now I think Embraer is in trouble because I think they were counting on Boeing um to take on a lot of the heavy lifting right right but now <laughs> but when 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 aircraft manufacturers go out of business right um and i guess I'm trying to think if we have any examples but th- they still have to maintain the planes that are already out there it just means they're not making new ones yeah. right so yeah. it's not it's not like they're you know they're out of business completely because that still has to be done yeah but i don't know if Boeing still, for instance, maintains the old McDonnell Douglas MD-11s and MD-10s that FedEx operates. I think FedEx has taken on most of those roles. I don't know for a fact, but I guess spare parts, where do you get them from? Who supplies them? Are they individual manufacturers or is it Boeing? I don't know. Or are they cannibalizing old aircraft? Well, maybe somebody who's listening can tell us how that's done. Because, yeah, I don't know how that... I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, you're probably cannibalize the old aircraft, but, like, how many old aircraft there is, right? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know if we've had in a, a recent example of an um, aircraft manufacturer going out of business after McDonnell Douglas. I can't really think of any. I can't think of any either. So, yeah. Because Bombardier the- is not, like... Quitting, it's shrinking, but uh, um, who knows? But then also, I think Boeing's involvement with the Mitsubishi, that space jet, which is, I would say, a direct competitor with the 190E2, put them at odds. So I don't know how they would try and manage that. To, they, because they, I believe, we're going to jointly market the MRJ, as it was called. And then the E90, which they would be cannibalizing each other. I would expect. So that would have been a tricky uh, 
maneuver. Maybe you should explain why your background is so different. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I had to switch from outside because um, the, um, the the neighbors are actually having a party, it seems like. <laughs> so it was easy to come back inside rather than sit outside and try to com- try to compete with them. Um, so much for social distancing. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's, it's just in their backyard. I think um, they have a pool. And so, um, they, they, do, they, no, they don't invite people over at all. No, they're not doing that. They're just hanging out with the family. It's like four of them over there. So it's party time. It's all good. Not much to, not much to do these days, right? Um, all right. So next we have on the list was, um, the UAE gets five national carriers. Now currently they have Etihad and they have, um, uh, Emirates. Emirates. So what did they get? And, Actually, I thought this was a fascinating story because for a ta- for a tiny little country like the UAE, mm-hmm. I would imagine one or two airlines would be sufficient. One, really, but clearly not, <laughs> because um, I guess what um, got my interest was finding out that two new airlines are starting to operate. Okay, there's Air Arabia, which uh-huh. is based in Sharjah, in the northern tip of the UAE. But now they're establishing a different airline called Air Arabia Abu Dhabi. That's apparently going to be different from um, Air Arabia, the original Air Arabia. I don't know how that would work. Low cost. And then there's Fly Dubai, which is, I don't know if you would consider that an independent operator or a subsidiary of Emirates. And then I read that Wizz Air, from Europe fame is starting supposedly in 2020 Air Wizz Air Abu Dhabi again. So that seems like a recipe for collapse of one or two airlines because I just cannot believe a tiny little country with all its connecting traffic notwithstanding can support five different airlines. And these are not small airlines. Yeah, it, it, doesn't, so, it doesn't make any sense. Even Etihad, like, I always thought that when I, when I first heard about Etihad, I'm like, why do we need, why did the UAE need another, uh, airline? Because Etihad, um. Well, Etihad is a national carrier. I know, and, and that Etihad. I didn't understand either. So I know there's something there that, you know, probably neither of us gets, but, um, and it's a lot of it is a bright thing. It probably is. And it's only like a 90 minute drive. Uh, from between Abu Dhabi and yeah. Dubai. Um, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful desert drive. But because once I actually took a flight and, um, it was Dubai to Kuwait on Etihad. And what it did, it, I had to go a little out of town. Uh, I took the train. I think I did. And then I might have taken a bus or something to this little place that they have. And, um, a bus picks you up there and they serve you like a, a snack on the, on the flight. Um, and then you drive across the desert for 90 minutes and you get to, uh, Abu Dhabi and you jump on a plane and I flew to Kuwait. And they don't charge you extra for that little Dubai, uh, piece, but it showed up in the, in the reservation system because if people are in Dubai, Kuwait, all you're going to see is Emirates. And if they don't have a, have a way of getting you from yeah. Dubai to Abu Dhabi, affairs are the same. But um, I wanted to take it because I wanted to take a bus 
of an airline bus, which not many airlines have. <laughs> Actually, I remember the Hobby Hop here in Houston. Exactly, you know, right? Continental used to operate that. Yeah, and they and I used to try and take it as often as I could from is, Hobby to IH. Oh my God! Especially, I think it's a twenty-five minute flight. Uh, yes, they actually had, um, and they had Ellington Field at some point, and I took that. I don't know if I've ever flown into or out of Ellington Field. Was it ever commercial? Yeah, it was. I don't think uh-huh. so, right? It was? Okay. Yeah, it, it was. Um, matter of fact, it was a, a thing for frequent flyers. A lot of frequent flyers would fly Ellington okay. Field to, um, to IH because they would get a segment for it. And then that segment okay, would yeah. count towards their, um, their qualifications. Mm. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I took that flight. Um, it was literally a trailer. Uh, you walk in one side of the trailer and, um, you go inside, you get checked in. And then you walk out the other side of the trailer and the little Embraer or, um, what was the plane at the time? I have to go look at my logs, but, uh. Um, I remember for us it was a 737 that operated. Um, it was a, hobby it, too. it was a 737 from Hobby and I actually lost my checkbook on that plane once and put a claim there and actually got it back. <laughs> but from Ellington they used, um, they use Embraer and they also use, uh, they use a 135 I think at one point. And they also use okay. the, the other little plane. What's the name of the other one? Beach. Beach. Or the ATR. And no, I think it was actually the Beach. The Beach 190, I think, is what is what it is that they used to use. Uh, I have to look it up. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up and see what it was. But no, yeah, Ellington Field is just um, it's just a trailer. And there's uh, one side you enter, and then on the left side you would pick up your baggage if you if you if you check the bag. <laughs> but we, dig- we, but we, dig- we digress. But there are oh, and there's also the Allentown to um, Allentown to North, New York, which is still yes. there. Yeah, they actually yeah. still have that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because you wouldn't. What you do, you would check in. You would check in outside in Allentown, and you'd put your stuff in, and then you'd come back over to the bus, and then the bus would take you to. Um, the check-in area, the departure area, and, they, and then that's where you enter security. Um, yeah. And on on the outbound, it would actually pick you up from inside the airport. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a spot that it picks up inside the airport and it takes you out because you're connecting. Um, actually, I, this week, I think I read an article about uh, the world's shortest routes. Uh-huh. And one of them was actually Philadelphia, Allen Down. And they actually fly it with an aircraft. They really did for the Allentown? Yeah. It's a, wow. it's, I forget how many mi- miles or kilometers it was, yeah. but it was one of the shorter, top 10 shortest routes. No. Um, when I worked, oh. when I worked for ATA, they used to fly, um, St. Pete to Orlando. I think it was. That's across the state, right? So that's yeah, yeah, that was PIE, um, uh, is what they used to fly. Um, Edmont? Uh, no, 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 the name of the state, they, they code for the station. Yeah. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, it, it was, but it was, it was St. Pete, um, because it was a really, it was a really short route and it would go, I think it went St. Pete to Orlando and then Orlando to, uh, Midway. Okay. Uh, I think is what they is what they do. The seven five seven. But you also <laughs> did one, didn't you, in Scotland a few years yes. ago? 
I did. Um, was it the Logan Air one? Two Logan miles. Air, yeah, proper way to uh, West. Yeah. Uh, you basically. Yes. Um, oh, that's right. Papa Westray. Yep. You take off and you make a hard right turn and then you land. <laughs> no, I remember when you did that actually. I, that do, rem- a, I do remember. That was very, that was very, very cool in a Norman Islander, um, which was, um, not many people use the, the Islander. I think, uh, Tinson, Pen in Jamaica is where Trans Jamaica used to fly the, uh, the Islander. The Islander, is um it it has two engines and the Trilander has three and yeah um it's a over 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 the top of the yeah. plane uh, thing. But I think it's mainly in country. I I believe they're very popular with rough airstrips. Yeah. yeah. Um, countries that don't have a lot of paved airports exactly. because it's a uh, an aircraft that's quite rugged and can land on uh. You know, gravel surfaces and things like that. Yep, and it does lots of. It's got a high engine clearance. Yep. And uh, or both of them actually. And it's great for short fields, so I think that's why. Yeah. That's why they did that. Yeah. Um, but sorry, so, we're, we're digressing. But that was a good digression, though, about um, uh, short, shortest airports. Um, all right. So the other one is you said, uh, is that BA uh, British Airways considered the seven five and seven six plus? No, Boeing, Boeing Aerospace. The Boeing yeah. Airspace is considered a 757 and a 767 plus instead of a brand new... I think it's called the 767X, I believe. Yeah. And the 757 plus. So I don't know if, if that's going to be like the 777X. Hmm. Um, and if they're going to use the structure of the 757 or make it bigger. I think they're making the 757 bigger. But um, bigger 767, than... I believe they're keeping the same body and yeah. re-engineing it. But I would imagine you'd need a new wing. Yes, you would. So, no. um, but hmm. isn't this a problem they had? They're having with the Max now, where they decided yeah. to make something new and they try yep. to re-engineer. It and you'd think they would not do this again, right? <laughs> but there is apparently still demand for the 767, which amazes me. Yeah, but it's sort of an old generation aircraft that's probably not very efficient anymore, but it still has uh, significant demand to it does. Uh, maintain the production rate because Boeing is cutting 777 and 787 by, I think, 50%. Yeah. But they're leaving the 76 untouched, which is hmm. unexpected. Yeah, that is unexpected. So, but but I I guess it makes sense that they don't create a new line because that becomes really expensive. So if you can spruce up, I guess one that you have, but it'll be new new engines, more efficient engines, of course, and a new wing. Yeah. Because um, they have to do something to match the three twenty one, uh, LR yeah, ULR yeah. not uh, XLR. Um. <laughs> But then, what are they running away with all the sales? It really is. But then, what's what are they going to do with this the seven five seven that they have? There's a, there's already a three hundred and a two hundred. So where would this one fit? I believe it's going to be bigger than the seven five two. I'm not sure if it's going to be the same size length yeah. as a seven five three. But um, hmm. I would imagine again that would it would need a new wing and 
engines. Uh, yeah. And, and, going back know, to 748 and the 777X, which yeah. is cheaper than developing anything from scratch, but still. That's true. I would imagine that would be several years away. It, it, it makes so, sense. Oh, uh, well. But all this virus has completely because now having white bodies or ordering white bodies is almost a dirty word. <laughs> now it's the smaller planes that are more in demand. Uh, yeah. So, and, well, and so the interesting thing, as, as you say, that is, um, you know, we can probably interject um, configuring airplanes for uh, social distancing. Because um, I wrote this piece about 12 reasons why I'm not ready to fly, and uh, I'll, I'll drop a link so you guys can see it. And the whole idea is um, I don't think that we're ready yet to um, to get people on an airplane. And, and, and I'm the, you know, you and I are the first ones to get back on a plane, right? But I just don't think they're ready. So when we talk about social distancing on a plane, right now what they're doing, they're taking out the middle seat. So they're not reconfiguring or anything. Cause it's kind of difficult to reconfigure these planes anyway. And figuring that it's only, it's only a temporary situation. Um, so what they're doing is just giving you an, 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 op- an open seat. But that doesn't give you distance between you and the person in front of you. Because the seat pitch is only between 28 and 34 inches if you're lucky. And so you don't, you don't have what you're looking for. And as soon as somebody coughs behind you, um, it always hits the back of your head. And this happened to me uh, many times. Yep. Um, so I don't think, no, I understand why they took the middle seat out. It's easy and it's the least um, path of, it's path of least resistance in terms of revenue, right? The least revenue. Long term, they can never survive though. Here they no. want to try and pack every aircraft to the guilds, but, and here now they're saying, Maximum 50 or 60 percent. There's no way airlines can survive long term. I think. I agree with you. So fares are going to have to go up, right? And then, but people don't want to pay. I see everybody's like, oh, and I'm getting this cheap fare to so and so, and I'm like, "Mm, they can't. They just can't. They can't survive on 60 percent of what they're having now. And like you said, they were trying to put, you know, get every last seat by giving you like legroom um or little or no legroom in the in the back so yep. i'm i'm one of the thought that i had was um they they really need to in order for you to give me because the seats are already so close together in order for you to give me six inches you need to have every other row empty or every other row have just one person in it and that would be the middle seat yep uh, because that way, if somebody coughs behind me, I am still six feet away, i.e. two rows, so what, 64 inches, not even not even six feet, but at least close to six feet. Um, mm. Or they go back and they reconfigure the planes and take out the seats and store them somewhere, which is even more expensive to do. Expensive, yep. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but they have, and then how are they going to stop people from moving? Um, yes, that is That's going to be another and challenge. What, and when you have weight restriction, you're going to have to move people around for weight yep. restriction. So, um, I, I yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, it, it's Another thing on that, 
subject was mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have been complaining that airlines are not refunding their money for flights that have been cancelled. Uh-huh. But um, I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday on the BBC, they had O'Leary from Ryanair, who has always been very blunt, but he's flat out stated that we don't have the money. The liquid, we don't have the liquidity to pay you back. Yeah. Uh, because we're already conserving cash. And if we pay it out in refunds, we'll be even in even more dire circumstances. And I think there are like $21 billion or something like that in uh, advanced bookings. Yeah. With different airlines. So I think you made a valid point, but I can understand passengers who are irritated that they have uh, uh, like coupons instead of a refund. Yeah. But no. it's sort of a no-win situation. It, it really is, and I totally agree with you because um, when we were supposed to go to Italy for that conference, I got cancelled um, uh, postponed. A lot of people had that issue. And um, uh, Ryanair was actually one of the airlines that they had issues with, and so and EasyJet was the same, where they either wouldn't respond to people or they just wouldn't give any money back at all. Um, and I even had an issue with a U.S. airline, but they did give me back the money for the trip. But, um, yeah, they're just holding on to the money because they don't want to give it back. It's kind of like, but it's it's unfair to the consumer. I understand why the airlines want to hold it. I get it. But on the other hand, it's unfair to the consumer because it's, it's their money. And the rule says, if you're not going to operate my flight, you need to give me back my money. Yeah. Um, so, so it's 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 a catch it's a catch twenty two. Well, at least he came out and actually said, "Hey, we don't have any money. That's why we're not giving it back to you." <laughs> um, but people are very very frustrated, and the the mistrust for the airlines is just increasing um, at yep. the moment. Um, the other the other thing too I was thinking about is uh, face masks. So they want us to wear face masks on the planes and at the airports, but we can't find them in the stores and you can't find them online or they're like egregiously overpriced. Now I know that they're all providing, at least the big three. I just uh, read yesterday again that they are going to provide you with face masks if you don't have them. And I, and, uh, Southwest is also doing the same. Um, I think they, I saw something that said something about that. So, so my thing with this is, um, am I going to get them? I can't enter the airport without them because the airport says I need them. So am I going to get them at the door when I enter the airport? Or am I going to get them at check-in? I assume that the TSA person is, they're not going to let me go uh, show my boarding pass and go ahead without the face mask on. Or, you know, so when you see these things, it's like, could you tell me exactly how it's going to work? Well, yep. So, yeah, we're going to give you a mask if if you don't have one. Well, where? Because the airports are probably going to do that. And now we already pay the airport so much money in taxes, so they can use the taxes to get these masks. Or, okay, fine, sell us a mask when we get to the airport. But people are not going to buy it. I no. think they have to figure it out by Monday because that's when they start. Uh, yes. Is that when we... <laughs> Monday the 5th? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, 4th. Yeah, so it's like, um, yeah. I, 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 that bothers me. The other thing that bothers me is the filthy, nasty conveyor belt and those little bucket things that they make you put your stuff in. I have always hated those. 
and um i'm i i'm kind of relieved that something like this has happened so because normally when you go and tell them like that thing is filthy because people put their shoes in it um yep they put all kinds of stuff in it and god knows where their bags have been and then when when they when they search people's bag they don't always use a new gloves mm-hmm. um so i but want i mean what options do you have really practically so I, clean. Yes, you can wipe it down, but every time someone puts their shoes on it, it gets dirty again. Yes, nasty again. So well, that's a tough one. It is a tough one, but I think it's because we need to rethink the whole process. We're using the same system yeah. that we've been using since 9-11. So that's what, 2001? Um, mm. And so um, we need to fix that. And as as in in aviation, we know how it goes. As unless we have dead bodies on the ground, nothing gets changed. Um, because that's just how it's been, and it shouldn't be how it's been. But that really is what ends up changing things. So whenever you have aviation accidents, is when they look at it and they go, "Okay, great. Well, we lost this many people, so we need to fix this." And then it actually gets fixed eventually. Um, in 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 the whole airport security thing. That stuff should have been fixed a long time ago because clearly um, this is not a problem that occurred today. Same thing in the supermarket. The supermarket has those nasty conveyor belts running around and you put your groceries on all the time. And the other day I had to tell you, I go, can you wipe that off? And she, she looked at me strange. I go, I'm not putting my stuff in there until you wipe it off. So then she took her sprayer and sprayed it and wiped it off. And this was actually before the whole coronavirus thing. But um yeah, I think that was one of your twelve reasons, right? Why you yes. were not ready to fly. Exactly. Baggage security. Yep, they need to fix it. Because that. even the baggage claim carousels are oh, not God. exactly clean. No, they're not. Um, what are <laughs> So Hong Kong Airport came up with this little device. I don't know if you've seen it, that you just walk in and it disinfects you and you come out on the other end. <laughs> Um, okay. No, I'm I trying to find, yeah, I try to find a picture. They are, um, they, it, it looks actually spacious, um, space-ish, for want of a better word. And, uh, they're using it now for airport employees. I guess they're testing it. And that's the kind Is of it a stuff. spray? Um, or I like, I don't know how it okay. works. Uh, I'm not sure if it's like, you know, rays or is it a spray or something like that. Um, but they're testing it. So at least somebody is thinking about mm. how to disinfect us and um, how to disinfect um, your bags without damaging them. Now, my thought for the disinfecting stuff is I was trying to create a bag or something, but then I realized, you know what? You can just get biodegradable trash bags and and use that. Yeah. So I'll put my bag in, in a, in a trash bag, you know, seal it, put it in, and then uh, when it goes on the other side, I take the bag out and toss the bag away because it's biodegradable, so it's, it's okay, saving the environment. But what happens when security needs to go through your bag? I guess there are no other options. Okay, you have to, you have so. to bring that up, huh? My thing would be like, you know, you need to use a, a, a different pair of gloves, and I'm going to insist because I don't want all the – because once you stick your hand in my bag and the glove you have is not clean – You've infected everything that's inside my bag. And so um, I'm really going to insist that they put an, another glove on. Uh, you know, but you really can't create a stink at the airport. 
Well, right, but, but I don't want to raise a stink, but to be like, well, I responded, I'm not traveling because your hands are not clean. You were just touching whatever else you were touching before you touched my bag. My bag was clean before I came in here. And so now you're going to touch it and inspect it. And all that, all I'm asking you to do is put another pair of gloves on and you don't want to do that. Then I don't want you inside my bag. I'm actually curious to know what countries like Taiwan and South Korea and Singapore are doing. They've apparently had success. No, they have had success to try and minimize or at least eliminate this uh, virus. So I'd be curious to know what they're doing about that, if they're doing anything at all. Like even New Zealand. Um, Because I I just saw a picture of uh, Rwanda Air, the the flight attendants, and I think it might have been Air Asia. They were in like hazmat suits, or what looks like hazmat suits. Um, Philippines is too. I know, it's like, um, this this is where we are. <laughs> um, so, so, so those are the things that, you know, and I have like 12 things set up, but that's just two of the things that's on there that <clears throat> I don't think we're ready yet um, to to fix that. If, if the airlines can think about it a little more, I don't know, it's costing them money because you're going from like the, the example I had, you had like 15 seats. And the example that gave you the maximum protection, um, you lost like almost half of those seats. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. To make not not a long term. Uh, not not strategy. a long term at all. Um, so well, at least until this vaccine is available. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I did see something uh, with uh, Z- uh, Zuckerberg had a lady on a doctor on, and she said um, there's a guy in the UK that that's working on something for MERS, and they can use the same procedure to switch to working on something for mm. um, for the coronavirus and they're they're actually further ahead than most so um they think it looks it looks promising um but, i know it's crazy uh so um another one i i wanted to talk about again not mm-hmm. really that important but i found it very interesting that berlin tegel airport it's supposed okay. to be closing June 1st. So let's hold that thought. And what we're going to do is we're going to, st- I'm going to stop the recording and then I'm going to start another one. Then we can do another episode. I think we've gone like 30 minutes. Um, yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll start another one. So, um, folks, uh, obviously, you know, Chris, Chris and I can sit here and talk forever, uh, about aviation. But we're going to conclude this episode, uh, the second episode in our series of um, travel this week with Bushu and Kerwin. And we will see you next week with a brand new episode. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>